0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Thank you for
2: tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, a cultural psychologist with the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Looking forward to today's conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Very often we're hearing the uh, initials DEI these days. So, we're going to be talking about DEI efforts, what works, and what does not work. And with me today to help me have this conversation is Dr. Donald Chick, President and CEO of New Synergist Consulting. And, uh, Dr. Chick, did I get all that correctly?
1: Yes, you did, Dr. White, and thanks again for having me. I really appreciate the chance to talk about this very important topic.
2: Yeah, great. Well, it is my pleasure. I'm going to start by uh, maybe having us just talk about these um, constructs of diversity, equity, and inclusion, again, often referred to as DEI, and um, you just put in a little context around there so we're all kind of thinking about the same things. So to start, uh, maybe some context around diversity, when we're using the term diversity, that that as a construct in the context of DEI work, what does that mean?
1: All right, and the important thing about that question is the construct is really similar whether you're in the DEI world, the sports world, the business world, whatever. So I'll start with a couple of uh, short definitions. Diversity is the presence of differences, and they can include race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, ethnicity, nationality, socioeconomic status, uh, language, political perspective, uh, among others. And typically, we talk about it in terms of DEI, in terms of populations that have been and remain underrepresented among practitioners in the field uh, that they may be involved in. Okay,
2: good. Thank you. And so I know that in the context of doing this work, uh, appreciate um, just kind of um, your putting out there those different populations. And I like to think of it also with regards to how welcoming is your organization? As relates to diversity, um, do you show up in a way as an organization where people feel welcomed, even putting in an application? And once they arrive, do they still feel welcomed um, as relates to people showing up with those differences? So we think about, um, let's say the equity um, notion in this context of um, DEI, what's the equity all about?
1: The equity is about Promoting justice, impartiality, and fairness within procedures, processes, and distribution of resources, mm-hmm. like how much you get paid for doing mm-hmm. the same work that somebody else is getting paid. So, we want to understand the root causes of the outcomes for the disparities that might be causing things like differences in pay. Mm-hmm.
2: Wonderful. So, really looking at um, Systems and processes, and how authority is used, and whether or not there's fairness, and um, how those things are applied and implemented. Absolutely, okay. awesome, great, thank you. And um, inclusion. What might you say with regards to what the I and DEI is all about?
1: Well, you actually uh, had a great start when you talked about how we how we see each other how Applicants may see the organization, how they feel when they get involved in that uh, organization. And actually this is an outcome that ensures that those who are diverse actually feel welcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inclusion outcomes are typically met when your company, your institution, your program is inviting to all. Mm -hmm. So first you have to be diverse and then you want to be inclusive. I've heard people talk about uh, or organizational leaders say, hey, first we were having trouble finding uh, people with diverse backgrounds. Now we're having trouble keeping them in our company. Mm-hmm. Well, it's likely that either equity or inclusion or both are not where they should be in that organization.
2: hmm. Great. Thank you. And, you know, and I will, um, and I know I I said we would do this dance together. I'm not as bad as Como, but, (laughs) but I might challenge and, um, and um, go a little further because I will very often look at an organization's diversity with regards to where you started. You know, are we welcoming to these different uh, populations and inclusion? I really push them further. And not only are you welcoming, but when they come in that door, Do they have a voice? So how is power used? How's influence used? Um, Do people feel respected? Do they feel encouraged to participate? Do they have a sense of connection um, um, within that organization? So with diversity, you're welcoming me to the party. Uh, With inclusion, I get to, you know, have some influence on how that party is happening. Um, And that may go to what you just said, because that may determine whether or not I I stay. I was uh, watching an interview with um, Marco Megan, the, um, hmm, uh, Prince Harry's wife, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget she said... um, you know, people were talking about women finding their voices. And she said, you know, women don't need to find their voice. Women have a voice. Um, they need to be encouraged to use their voice and others need to be encouraged to listen. And so, you know, I think about inclusion. I think about people being encouraged and, um, to share their voice and people being encouraged to listen to the voices from these diverse populations that may find themselves at the
1: table. Absolutely. And one of the uh, ways I like to define this pretty simply is diversity is, hey, we invite a lot of different types of people to our party. Mm -hmm. Inclusion is we talk to them when they get to the party. Mm -hmm. We we allow them to dance when we turn the music on Mm -hmm. or they're standing in a corner with Mm -hmm. other people that might be like them and we don't talk to them or dance with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And in that case, I'm going to leave the party. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find another happening. That's right. Very good. Okay. So, you know, what are some reasons why DEI efforts are um, are successful? Let's start with why, what are some reasons why they're not successful? Why don't we start there? And then we'll look at what could help make DEI um, efforts successful in yielding positive results. So, In yielding positive results, why are some efforts not successful?
1: Well, probably the most, well, one of the two most important reasons these efforts fail uh, is resistance. You get all types of uh, resistance from folks that uh, don't think this is fair for them or that they might lose power or money or voice or whatever the case may be. So you can get internal fighting that makes uh, your efforts to improve DEI not work so well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's one.
2: So let me pause there on that one. Mm-hmm. Where's that resistance, do you think? Where's the resistance most likely to come from?
1: Well, studies have shown that the resistance most likely will come from white males. Mm-hmm. They, and And that makes sense without even looking at the research because Let's be honest. Those are the folks that are mostly in power or have the most power, especially when you get to the senior leadership Mm -hmm. uh, positions of most organizations.
2: Mm -hmm. So um, so white males and that is it sounds like you said coupled with their position of authority. And um, so do you think that the resistance then is more likely to come from um,
1: Upper management? Not necessarily. And here's mm-hmm. here's another reason these efforts mm-hmm. fail. So you have resistance mm-hmm. in large part from middle managers, let's say. Okay. You can also have it from senior managers, mm-hmm. but that's another reason these efforts fail. The senior leaders don't get on board with the effort. Mm-hmm. They don't really support it. They pay it mm-hmm. lip service, they have it, they give it a check mark. I did XYZ. Mm -hmm. But they really didn't do things that were needed to make this type of effort successful.
2: Mm -hmm. So when senior management, when they're not on board, when senior managers are the one that's resisting, be it senior managers that are themselves from a diverse population or um, from the dominant culture with regards to white males, whichever, just from positional perspective, when you have a senior management that are not on board, but say you have employees uh, either at the lower level or entry level, um, supervisors pushing for it. What are your thoughts of that as relates to, um, as a consultant going in and working with an organization?
1: Well, the big thing about this is if you start to promise or vocalize that you're going to do certain types of things and then you don't do them, you Mm -hmm. actually, you likely make the situation worse. Mm -hmm. I know if I'm an employee and I realize that my company, my organization is not diverse and inclusion, there's not equitable policies and procedures, and then there's this big rollout where the senior leaders say, we're going to do things better. You know, we got this big DEI effort and everything's going to be wonderful and they roll out some programs, they may have some parties or some other types of discussions, some training. But then nothing changes Mm -hmm. because it's really not one of those important strategic initiatives for that particular organization.
2: So when you sense that as a consultant going in, uh, be it an internal consultant or an external consultant working with an organization that is fronting that they are um, wanting the DEI efforts to advance, yet it's clear to you that the senior management is not really um, invested in or truly wanting this particular um, effort to go forward. What do you do?
1: Well, I've been pretty lucky so far Mm -hmm. because one of the things I do up front is have a discussion about these types of issues and the fact that we need to make sure it's implemented properly, mm-hmm. make sure there's enough enough money that's going to be set aside, and time, obviously, which ties to money. And then I actually have a questionnaire that I use mm-hmm. where I ask, what are we going to do if these things happen? Mm-hmm. Because in almost every organization that tries uh, to improve DEI efforts, you are going to have resistance. So how are you going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. What happens to that senior leader if he, and, and you'll see this in some cases, simply says, I'm not doing it.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and, and um, so I know we've got to get ready to go to break, but I want to have that conversation because I think that it's important for everyone to understand at different levels within the organization when you are met, when you are met with resistance, um, where that resistance is coming from can really lead to um, different thinking with regards to what you do to overcome and deal with it. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
2: Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
2: And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl White, and our guest today is Dr. Donald Chick, President and CEO of New Synergist Consulting. Again, uh, welcome, Dr. Chick. I know before we went to uh, break, we were talking about resistance within organizations, and I particularly wanted to talk about how we, as internal consultants or external consultants, work with are just leaders who may have been deemed you're the champion of DEI. How do you do that in organizations where senior leaders have not um, bought into and really are not supportive of DEI work advancing within their organization? So I'll have you pick up with your thoughts uh, uh, with that.
1: And one of the things that I mentioned earlier, I like to do some pre-work before mm-hmm. we ever sign a contract to actually move forward. Mm -hmm. Because if the senior leadership is not on board, it's almost certain that you will not make good progress because there will be resistance. And even though I mentioned the largest place for resistance is likely white males, there's resistance in other areas too. Mm -hmm. There uh, is a topic called unconscious bias. All of us have it. And if we're not aware of it, we're making decisions every day that will make a DEI effort not work like we don't you know, if you don't believe uh, women are good at math and you're hiring engineers. Does that impact the uh, recruitment of females? Mm -hmm. Does it and then under equity, does it impact how much money they make compared to their peers? So we need to make sure when we're doing, taking on these efforts that leadership understands what they're getting into and then understand exactly. the pros and cons and the cost. Uh-huh. And the biggest thing I, I share with leaders, if you're not ready to do this for whatever reason, uh-huh. then don't start uh-huh. because starting and stopping that inconsistency will only make things worse in terms uh-huh. of your DEI efforts. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, no, great, I I appreciate that and just really um, want us to underscore how the different levels of leadership within an organization when we find resistance matters and for um, employees that are at lower level leadership roles or employees that um, may be individual contributors when they themselves take on DEI efforts and they don't have the support of their senior leaders, it can become of extremely heavy burden, and it can be very costly to their careers. Their careers can be stalled or derailed. And um, in those instances, I know even for myself, and I um, more recently was partnering with a colleague, and we were with an organization, and quite frankly, the person was not um, white. The person actually happened to have be been African-American and a woman but clearly was not going to advocate for and um, support um, advancing DEI in their arena in the way that was going to um, really address the concerns that were brought to them. And um, our decision was to not move forward with working with the organization, but to remain available to the employees in a mentoring capacity. because we realized the cost that these employees would pay if they were to actively push against um, some of their concerns without the support of their senior management. As an OD consultant, I have a bias with regards to change happening from the top down. And, And just realizing that when, you know, when employees are trying to push change up it can be uh, very damaging to their careers. And so I really want employees to, uh, particularly individual contributors and lower level supervisors to think about the um, cost benefit analysis and based on that, figure out the strategy um, and the avenues in which they can make individual um, organization or systemic changes um, in a way that's not going to cost their career and their advancement, because as they take care of themselves and they're able to advance and they're able to get more authority, then they are positioned to be able to also um, usher in new changes.
1: Exactly. And that's another reason it's so important. And I agree with you with this discussion about bottom-up change. Mm -hmm. At a minimum, even if you're having what we might call bottom-up change, if leadership is not supporting it, it mm-hmm. simply will not happen. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, uh, then the employees that are trying to make these changes that they know are right because they're in the trenches every day, they get frustrated. Mm-hmm. They, their motivation changes mm-hmm. and they're not engaged. And simply what that can mean for your organization is you're not going to make as much money because your folks aren't going to be as productive. You're going to have increased costs for training and uh, recruitment because people are leaving. So we just need to make uh, leaders aware of the actual cost of doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. First,
1: I think it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But whether you agree with that or not, it's certainly the right thing to do in terms of your bottom line.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about resistance at other um, levels within the organization? So let's say senior management is on, is on board, but you have employees or level of, or lower level supervisors who aren't on board, then what?
1: Well, my background is really in this arena started out as a strategy and organizational change uh, consultant, and that's the way I like to look at DEI efforts. And one of the things we know about any significant change that you want to make in the organization, assuming that senior leaders are on board, the folks that will most likely, if they choose to, uh, resist the effort and make sure it doesn't work are those middle level managers because everything goes through them. So you can get even some fairly minimal changes that you want to make and they're resisting it. And I'll just give you a quick for instance. So you're creating some type of task force or employee resource group or whatever, and these are lower level folks and a middle manager says, Hey, I got this task I need you to do. Hey, I got this meeting today with the ERG. Remember, every, every month at two o'clock on a Thursday, nope, you can't go to that meeting today. So, what is that person going to do? Obviously, he or she could be fired maybe if they say, Well, I'm going to ignore my, my boss. Mm-hmm. So, that middle manager holds a lot of power. So, what do you do? Well, wonderfully. How do things- we deal with that? One of the things we do is, and and this should, we want to do this before it even has a chance to occur. We want to make sure those middle managers understand that they will not interrupt these efforts. Mm -hmm. There would have to be something like the building is on fire Mm -hmm. to be able to tell that employee, you can't go to this meeting. Mm-hmm. And that has to be made clear. And in many cases, you have to make an example out of one or more before mm-hmm. you start to dissipate or eliminate some of that resistance.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, any other thoughts with regards to um, before we move into how do we um, position or move forward with the DEI effort to get positive results, you know, what works? Anything else that does not work that we want to talk about up front?
1: Well, some of the things that don't work well, I mean, certainly you want to provide training. And one of the trainings that I always uh, want to talk about is unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. But mandatory training You know, like we're in Black History Month, so we're going to make everybody sit through a mandatory Black History Month training. Nothing bad about that, but I like to focus on things uh, that aren't necessarily mandatory. So to give a, for instance, I was at one organization where we use posters. So for Black History Month, this was a big organization. They had a lot of engineers and scientists. So we simply arrange posters, and on um, the uh, closed circuit television screens, we show some history about uh, African-American engineers and scientists, and talked about their role. For Women's History Month, we did the same thing, but with uh, female engineers and scientists. And the feedback I got, which tells me we were on the right track, was, wow, I didn't know that. I can't believe there are that many people of color or females who are engineers and scientists and who have done things that, you know, make all of our lives better. That's a big difference than the mandatory sit in a, a, a auditorium where people aren't paying attention.
2: Mm-hmm. So I love the poster idea with regards to um – you know, a, a way of, of exposing people to learn about those who they may not have prior knowledge of. And I'm going to push back on the mandatory training. Um, and I'll push back on that um, because I'm thinking if an organization is having a training, it should be, as you said, um, related to their strategy, And we, I think both understand and know, and I'll push back as a cultural psychologist and say, culture will eat strategy for lunch. (laughs) And so if you need to change some elements of your culture, and there are some things related um, to that change where people may not necessarily want to go to a training, yet it's important for either the learning strategy, the skills, the um, attitudes uh, and behaviors that can come from them, I'm saying the training's mandatory. So tell me why not mandatory. It looks like we're gonna need to go to break, but when we um, come back, let's talk a little bit more about this mandatory versus uh, voluntary uh, training um, efforts. So please stay with us and uh, we shall be right back with more on leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership. Staff and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 858- Two four four eight two six four. That's 858 8264 Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership: Co-creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business
2: with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and
0: solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the voice america
2: business
0: channel when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you are listening to leadership matters with dr cheryl white linda Schub, gerald mcfadden andre howard tom wall and Rihanna absar if you have a question or comment about today's program please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to matters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
2: And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl White, today. And our guest, Donald, Dr. Donald Chick, President and CEO of New Synergistic, I uh, put my I, um, IC on that, New Synergist Consulting. Um, again, welcome, Dr. Chick, and um, loving this conversation with you. I'm acting a little bit more like Como here today, and I'm going to push back on the mandatory training, so I'm going to let you share again why you think mandatory training is in the bucket of things that simply don't work.
1: Well, and when I talk about mandatory training, there's certainly some things that should be mandatory when you're kicking off any type of change effort like this. So some mandatory trainings like unconscious bias, some other training around how you should treat everyone, what does that look like, what does that mean? uh, Mandatory training in terms of some processes or procedures that we're going to change. But what I don't like and what uh, in terms of working Is And this this is probably in a little bit of a different context, is when some folks say, hey, we have DEI efforts, so we're going to have a mandatory Black History Month program. Well, that's a nice thing to do. I certainly enjoy those, and I certainly would recommend those to any organization that's trying to uh, support DEI efforts. However, they tend to stop there and that's part of my uh concern with hey we had mandatory chain training we checked a block now we're done mm-hmm. there are other things you need to do to support that mandatory training otherwise they just they just don't work
2: okay well in- uh uh-huh. go on
1: certainly the training needs to be able to impart information about the th- the way things are going to work in our organization moving forward
2: mhm Yeah. Okay. Well, and I'll say within the context of um, advancing equity, diversity, and inclusion and thinking about the concept of training, I think of culture change being what's being modeled, supported, and rewarded. So, training alone does not change an organizational culture. And I think that training is an important part of an organizational culture when knowledge is lacking, information is lacking, skills and tools are lacking. And so, um, I think leaders need to model and support. They need to model what they say and do, needs to be consistent with the effort you have moving forward. I think the supporting is coaching, training, performance evaluations, those systems and processes, including building um, skills, just like um, sexual harassment. You know, there are certain norms, there's certain things that we know create liabilities for organizations. Any type of harassment is going to create a liability for an organization. I think ethical leadership is helping um, helping to uh, make decisions and um, move things forward in a way that's better, fairer, and more humane. So ethical leadership connects with DEI training. You know, at its core, the efforts around diversity, equity, inclusion, Wraps up and connects with helping to make the world better, fairer, and more humane. And um, I think as we engage each other in that space, you know, for me, that also goes within the space of empathy and compassion. We're going to make better decisions when we can show up in a way where people feel um, heard, understood, yada, yada, yada. So Uh, I think those skills are important, and in the context of that strategy, those trainings that connect to it need to be mandatory. I expect everyone to be there. Now, obviously, there may be some things that are optional activities, then, yeah, not necessarily mandatory, um, but giving people an option to opt out on those things that have to do with the fundamental culture that you're trying to establish, I would push against them not being a requirement, so... My bias. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and and your bias is not uh, inaccurate, by the way. Not only that, one of the things I ask uh, folks to think about when they're embarking on these is when you have those activities, particularly training, Mm -hmm. I like to pair an internal consultant or manager, somebody that may not have any understanding of this field, To work with that external consultant so people in the organization see, wow, there's a guy just like me, and he's saying things that maybe I never heard of or don't know about. Maybe I should think about that. And they're more likely to have a conversation Mm -hmm. after the fact which, again, can limit or help limit uh, resistance.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I I do think as facilitators, as trainers, we certainly have to be prepared to deal with prisoners and trainers. (laughs) 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 And so how do we effectively um, uh, facilitate uh, engaging people who resist, I think, is something that's definitely uh, a skill set that we have to have, particularly when we're dealing with topics such as um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right, oh. right. Awesome, so let's talk a little bit about some things that you've seen that, that does work. You know, I, I um, loved your examples with regards to how um, poster boards can be a way of um, putting in an environment information that might be helpful and support learning. Uh, what are some other thoughts with regards to what works?
1: Well, the first and overarching thing that I, I recommend strongly is to make this a part of the organization's strategic plan. No different in many ways than figuring out how to increase sales or introduce a new product or build a new manufacturing plant. It should be on that level. All too often, this is kind of this separate thing, you know, what some people might call a collateral duty or a nice to have. Mm-hmm. So you get these big swings where, you know, we're all in and then all of a sudden well, we're too busy. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. It should be part of the plan, mm-hmm. part of what we're going to do, and mm-hmm. it should be measured. Mm-hmm. So I'm a senior leader who is resistant. <laughs> Excuse me. And <laughs> no problem. And this, and this initiative becomes part of my uh, compensation plan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. then, you, you know, you, you definitely will have everyone's attention when you mm-hmm. do that.
2: Okay. So I want to underscore this being part of the strategic plan, and this is just being part of a person's everyday uh, duties and responsibilities. I have a hot button around uh, when people say I don't have time for DEI. We have so many things going on. I'm like being equitable, being fair, being humane is simply part of your job. So, how can you not have time? If I'm in HR, I should be trying to ensure that my policies are fair. Um, Everyone from their position and their space within the organization, as you said, DEI is not this separate thing that we're trying to have you do something new that's not part of your job. We're talking about doing your job in a better, in a more effective way because you're being fair in how you're um, engaging and um, treating people with respect and dignity and hearing their voices and demonstrating value. That's not something new that's separate from anyone's job. That's us doing our jobs better and more effectively. So those things that get at that strategy, certainly being part of the strategic plan is great. And then how would you go about measuring? Let's talk a little bit about your thought with regards to measuring.
1: Great question, because measurements are so critical. Mm-hmm. And there are things that the, most organizations already have. They're already measuring these, but they're not tying them to DEI results. For instance, turnover. Mm-hmm. Why do you have higher turnover than your counterparts? Or why do we have high turnover throughout our organization? Um, complaints around harassment, sexual or other types of complaints, uh, complaints about unfair treatment, which when, when you lose those complaints, they're actually fines, and some of those pretty hefty. Mm-hmm. Some organizations seem to ignore that or believe or want to believe, and this may be their bias, that that's just the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. I actually heard a manager say, well, you know, you're always going to have complaints. Well, are the complaints valid? That's the question you want to answer. And particularly uh, troubling is when you see an organization that has a group of managers who are very successful in terms of maybe delivering increased products and services, but they leave a trail of dead and damaged bodies behind them because of their treatment. And because of the way they deal with these people, so they have higher turnover, more complaints, less engagement and actually less productivity from certain parts of, uh, of that organization.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. And thank you for um, those examples. Appreciate that. And um, I think that figuring out, you know, how do we look 18 months, 24 months down the road and um, what do we want to see? And moving from what it is we want to see, then being able to crystallize that into um, at that point, what are we seeing can then become those measures. So I'm going to start with a hope. You know, what's my hope with regards to what it is I want to change? How do I take that change that I'm hoping for and have a vision for it? And then how do I hold that dream, that vision? long enough with some belief that we can make this happen and put a plan together and implement that plan. And from that implementation, what's going to be the fruits? And that becomes my measurements. Uh, funny, cool. I was with a group uh, yesterday and they talked about wanting to see we will 18 months from now, we'll have more spaces where people can provide input. You know, So our measurements can look different Um, based on what it is I want to see, but how do I articulate it so that I know when I arrive there that I've made that progress? So love that. Other thoughts as it relates to what works?
1: Absolutely. And and I, I just want to jump on that last comment you made. One of the things I ask folks to start with, whether it's a DEI effort, a change effort, or coaching, is to have a vision of what you want things to look like at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. And then we can work backwards to get there. Mm -hmm. So from a DEI standpoint, I want more people of uh, color in senior level positions Mm -hmm. and let's be specific. Mm -hmm. So we pick a number Mm -hmm. and then we pick a timeframe, 18 months, two years, three years or whatever. And then we create a plan that helps us get there. Mm -hmm. Yes, so that's that's critical.
2: Yes. And, and, and I love that you say, you know, you kind of start with the vision from the vision. Then I can, you know, develop my targets, my measures and my plan. But I want to start with the vision. I'm going to say hope is the dream that awakens the soul. Hope is the dream that awakens the soul. So am I hoping to see something better than what's my vision? And how do I know when I've realized it? We're going to go to commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation around what works in our DEI efforts. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions.
0: The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264.
2: And we are back. I'm uh, Cheryl White and um, enjoying this conversation with Dr. Donald Chick, President and CEO of New Synergist Consulting, talking today about diversity, equity, and inclusion DEI efforts what works and what does not. Let's continue that dialogue on what works. Dr. Chick, I'll throw it back over to you.
1: Another topic, once you put that strategic plan together, and it should include how are you going to engage uh, the folks in your organization at all levels. And one of the things a lot of organizations use and seems to use successfully, if completed correctly, is employee resource groups. Having some kind of council where you have employee resource groups who can have a voice. But you have to make sure again, and this is where you get resistance, maybe from middle managers, maybe from senior leaders, that there's a voice that reaches all the way up to the CEO. And and most importantly, you respond to each and every recommendation. That doesn't mean that you're going to agree with everything these groups say or think should happen, but you respond and tell them why. And that gets back to another discussion we had earlier about training. Now, there's some training you should give to these groups. One of the reasons that ERGs don't always work is we kind of throw them together and say, hey, you can have this much time every week or every month to meet and talk and do things and suggest events. Give them a budget. They know right up front they have this much money per quarter, to do certain types of things, draft some type of uh, agreement that says, this is what the group is, this is what they do, and this is who they report to.
2: Okay. We
1: need to have all those things in place.
2: Okay, so I wanna talk more about ERGs and um, their role and the role they can play in um, advancing diversity within an organization. But I wanna step back and think about composition. How does an organization go about kind of like figuring out what type of employee resource groups should be established or in some organizations we call them affinity groups so um, how does an organization go about determining you know should these be groups that are designated by departments are these groups designated by identity Um, how are the ERG groups established?
1: And that's a great question, too. And part of putting together this strategic plan is to have an examination of what's going on in your organization. What, where are there complaints? Where are there things that aren't working well? And from there, you can have a composition of maybe based on racial groups. And that doesn't mean, for instance, if you have a black ERG, that everybody on that ERG is black. You might have uh, folks of other color or other races or types that wanna be in that group. You also want to take the time to allow for people to recommend an affinity or ERG group that's not already in place, or maybe that you haven't thought of. So even before you put these groups together, you want to talk among the leadership team, how do we expand the number of groups if that makes sense at some point in the future? And again, communicate that to employees so they know, hey, I think I need a group that's going to look at fill in the blank and then we can do that because the bottom line with uh, affinity groups or ERGs or whatever they might be called is you want to improve employee engagement and understanding so everybody feels like they're included because they have a voice.
2: Okay, so these ERG groups... Um, do they? Um, uh, how does that voice get elevated? Is there like a um, steering committee that each one reports their leaders? They vote on leadership that reports into. But how does that voice then get elevated um, up that chain of command?
1: I usually recommend that you create a, a DEI council of some sort, and that council involves. Typically, more senior leaders, there can be a couple leaders that might be called middle managers, so to speak, but you have a council of leaders from different departments in the organization that can understand the impact of a suggestion or recommendation that comes from the ERG, so you don't get into this, uh, you know, where you're not able to make a decision, well, we got to talk to the finance department or we have to talk to marketing or whatever. So you want to have a council that can weigh in on these recommendations and make decisions relatively quickly.
2: Okay, and you mentioned the um, these concerns being elevated to the CEO. Who carries that message? How does that message then continue up that chain? Does the council have an appointee or What's the, uh, or is there somebody from upper management that has the ear of the CEO on this council or is the CEO on this council?
1: The CEO could be on the council or I recommend somebody who is a direct report to the CEO. Mm -hmm. And again, when we're talking about producing Mm -hmm. results, obviously this is part of that direct reports compensation plan Mm -hmm. because he or she has some You know, that's part of their job. It's not a collateral duty or a nice to have. This is part of your new job duties. Mm -hmm. And we're going to measure you on those duties. And obviously that will affect compensation.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So this is definitely a part two conversation. There were um, additional things that I know you and I talked about. We'd like to talk about that we are not getting to. We uh, want to dig a little deeper, not only in the um, talking about the ERG, but some other components of what works as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We want to give you an opportunity to just um, share maybe today some final tips that uh, people can just reflect and think about uh, before we come back on the air and do our part, two.
1: All right, thank you for that. And uh, one of the things I want to share that we didn't talk about at the beginning is how important this is from a point of view of being successful as an organization. The demographics are changing to the point that if you eliminate certain groups of people because you're not treating them fairly or equitably or you're not including their voice, that pool of people you can recruit from gets smaller and smaller and it gets more and more difficult to be successful and remain competitive. So we need to make sure we're hearing the voice of everyone in our organization. Otherwise, we're not gonna get the type of engagement we want and it is impacting, not might, it is impacting your bottom line. It may not be obvious, but one of the things we do at uh, New Synergist is we can help you understand how that bottom line is being affected how to measure those results and hopefully make better decisions? Mm-hmm.
2: And is that bottom line being able to measure it another way of um, figuring out what your matrix might be in your um, in your measurements for your strategic plan?
1: Absolutely. And, and a lot of, in a lot of cases, we use what's called a balanced scorecard. Mm-hmm. And that balanced scorecard shows the connections between everything you do. Mm-hmm. So there will be a connection with your DEI efforts right into that financial quadrant of the balanced scorecard, mm-hmm. as well as employee engagement and some other topics. So we can actually show that, measure it, and then show you how results are being produced as we move forward.
2: Okay. And I think for those of us who live in this nonprofit world, I think the um, other uh, space to that is being able to measure uh, the impact as relates to the human impact with the people within the organization, as well as our community impact that comes from uh, people being better positioned. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just share how others can connect with you should they want to do so.
1: You can certainly uh, look at my website, newsynergist.com, that's N-E-W-S-Y-N-E-R-G-I-S-T.com. You can also send me an email, don at newsynergist.com, just D-O-N at newsynergist.com, thank
2: you. Awesome, well, thank you so much. It's just been a pleasure having this conversation, looking forward to part two, and thank you so much to our listening audience. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions.
0: Thank you again for tuning in.